Jana read the passage of scripture that I have today for my sermon, so I'm going to just kind of bypass that. But I do want to emphasize just a couple, a few words that you can listen to and kind of center in on. And the first word is rejoice. That's what we've been doing. We've been rejoicing in the Lord. Uh, the angel told Mary to rejoice because he brought good news to her. But he also told her, do not be afraid. And that seems to be the message that every, when every human encounters an angel or an angel of the Lord, uh, the message is, don't be afraid. Don't flip out. Don't wig out because God has come to give you a message. I'm very glad that God come to speak to us. And then simply that Mary said, how can this be? How can it be? Uh, she spoke of the impossibility, but we know uh, that God is able to do all things. And that is the last thing that I want to center on, is that with God, nothing will be impossible. You know, as we started last week to begin to break down the messages of Christmas, and we said that this was the greatest story ever told. And it really is. As a matter of fact, God believes that it's a very powerful message himself because he, in three of the four Gospels, in some manner, the Christmas story is told. And we see that these are narratives of the story. Matthew, Luke, John has a shortened version of the uh, creation and of uh, the majesty of Jesus and his birth and how he come in the flesh. And the narrative is simply a story told in someone's eyes. In other words, they saw Jesus and they saw the ministry of Jesus. But how many knows, and this is a, a very familiar thing, if there was to be a car accident right outside and and five of us saw it, that we would all have different details that we centered upon because that's what our vision, that's what we saw, that's how we interpreted what we saw. And so as we look at this, uh, it is the greatest story that has ever been told. The, these stories are eyewitnesses of Jesus. They were there when it happened. They saw it with their own eyes. That's why they were similar, but not exactly the same. They do not contradict each other, but they complement one another. The angel Gabriel came with a message from God. Now, we find that unique, and it is because the angel came. But how many knows that God speaks to us? He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through His Spirit. As Pentecostals, we believe that He speaks to us through tongues and interpretation. Uh, he speaks to us through a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. He speaks to us even through discernment that we might discern, is this of God or is this uh, something that we need to stray away from? So God still speaks. Look at your neighbor tell him God still speaks. He is still speaking. The question for us today is, are we still listening? Notice that the angel 
was sent to a little town called Nazareth. Not Jerusalem, not some big city, but Nazareth. And when Philip told Nathaniel, I have found the Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. And what was Nathaniel's response? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Not that this town was so bad, but that it was not known for anything. A little tiny dwelling place of just a, a few hundred people. What does that tell us? That God can do great things with little things. When God is in it, little or small can become great. Uh, so it doesn't matter. Uh, even if we feel small or we feel insignificant, that God can use us to do great things. It does not matter your circumstances currently, uh, but I want you to know that God is able to use even the most meager of circumstances and he will receive the glory and the honor. He is able and he seemingly chooses to use people uh, who uh, no one else might use. The least likely God uses because he knows that he will receive the glory. So we see that this angel has come and given this message of, of, of the glory of God who is going to come uh, and overshadow Mary. And the first thing he tells her is rejoice. That God was with her. Now I want you to know that this was not the best news that Mary could get. She was a young virgin girl. And she was being told by an angel that she was about to conceive before ever being with Joseph, her husband. And in that society, it was possible for the death penalty to be given to her. But yet the angel says, rejoice. What does that tell us? What is the application is that in God, when God is with us, no matter uh, how difficult the situation might seem or how impossible it might seem or how we might uh, begin to roll it over in our mind, how can this even happen? God says to us, rejoice for I am with you. Rejoice in the Lord, the Bible tells us. Rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Don't be saddened by your plight in life. Don't feel sorry for your situation. Don't feel bad about the smallness or the meagerness of your life. Instead, rejoice because you're favored. You are a recipient of his goodwill. You are a recipient of his loving kindness and his grace and his mercy. You, the Bible tells us, are the apple of his eye. You are a child of the king, a royal priesthood, a, a holy nation. You have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are favored of God. That's what he tells Mary. But it's true of us. We have a hard time with that. Because we don't feel worthy, and we're not. 
except that God is with us and in us, and he works through us, that his glory might be revealed to a world that's still in the darkness. If you don't know Jesus, you are, my friend, in spiritual darkness. But you are favored. Tell your neighbor again, you're favored. You're favored. Very few people understand their position in Christ. Because the enemy of your soul works very hard to get you to question your identity. He did it to Jesus in the garden. He did it to Jesus when he faced the temptations. And can I tell you that you are somebody in Christ? You are. But it's not so much who you are, but whose you are. See, you are God's children. You're favored. How many in here, your child needed something that you would uh, try to move heaven and earth uh, to make it happen for your child? Your father is the heavenly father of the whole world, the whole universe. He made it all. He spoke it all into existence. And the saying that we are favored of God puts us in a high position. The war. Even with all of this, Mary was troubled. How many can identify with that? <laughs> uh, Mary was troubled. It's not that she didn't have faith. She believed that God could do what he said he would do. Unlike Zacharias, she simply wondered how. How many ever questioned God how? How are you going to do it, God? She knew she was a virgin. She knew she had never been with a man. So she began to turn the situation over and over in her mind. And isn't it the unknown that sometimes brings fear into our life? So the angel, I believe, reading her mind and where she was heading with those thoughts, said, do not be afraid. I believe the Lord's about to return. And there's some things happening that are just kind of scary. Honestly. But God would say to us today, do not be afraid. But what I love about this is he didn't just say a generic, do not be afraid. He said, do not be afraid, Mary. He personalized it. Don't be afraid, Janelle. Don't be afraid, Jacob. Don't be afraid, Terry or Diana. Don't be afraid. And God knows where we are and what we have going on in our lives. And so he says to us, do not be afraid. We are not, uh, we will experience moments of fear, but yet God is saying to us, do not be afraid. Don't let fear overrule every thought in your life. God knows the intimate details of your life. He knows right where you are and he assures you, do not be afraid. The human reaction would be fear. How is God going to do it? What will I have to sacrifice? What if I'm not able to do it? Lord, I don't feel worthy. How long will this take? I've said that. Will my family and my friends understand, God, what you are speaking over my life? And Mary said, how can this be? How can it be? 
It's not humanly possible. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You may be facing a situation that seems impossible in humanity and in what you are looking at, but God assures us, don't be afraid. I am with you. You are beloved. You are a chosen. You are favored. And God uh, has said that to each one of us. How can this be? The angel said, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. The word overshadow means to cover with a cloud. As in the Shekinah glory of God. The visible manifestation in Old Testament times of the presence of God. And that same power that was with Moses on the mountaintop in the giving of the commandments and that same power that was with the children of God as they traveled do this on my own. It's going to require the supernatural conception by the Holy Spirit. And I tell you as a church, for us to make it out there on 124 Drivers Road, the next process is paying the land off, but after that, the building of the building. That's going to require the Holy Spirit to do a miraculous work. It's going to require the Holy Spirit to be involved. That we allow the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will not overshadow you. If you do not, he will not do things in your life that you do not allow. Mary said, I'm okay with that. I can receive that. Even though there was fear, even though uh, there was unknown, how can it be? But Lord, let it be according to your word. Holy Spirit, conceive in us a work, a miraculous work. Conceive in me a work. Mary had been told something very difficult. I may have gotten yet difficult news before. Hard to believe, hard to understand. A struggle with your faith. And, and all of us, I, I was speaking with someone this week who uh, said, you know, sometimes it's a struggle with faith. And they said these very words, Lord, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. We struggle with fear. We struggle with the unknown. And God wants to speak things into our life that are impossible in human nature, but yet he is able to do it. Lord, help my unbelief. Help me. And what did the angel do? The angel said, I've got a story for you. Your old relative, emphasis on old, too old to ever bear children in the natural. And by the way, this is a lesson on prayer. Never give up. It's never too late for God. And Elizabeth, your relative, who was old, somebody say she was old. She was old, over in dirt, not able to, to conceive. She was old, and so was Zacharias. And it was impossible in human nature for it to happen. Yet God conceived. 
in her caused her and Zacharias to have life and to birth a child. Six months into that pregnancy that the angel comes in, and, and why would the angel say, uh, uh, you know, you're facing your own impossibility, uh, but I want to tell you uh, about somebody else who you're related to, you have a relationship with, and they uh, didn't believe it would ever happen either. They had already given up hope, and now she's in her sixth month of pregnancy, about to give birth to the forerunner of Jesus Christ. These words of the angel remind us of Sarah and of Abraham. The angel says to Sarah when she laughs because she thought it was impossible as well. She was 90. He was 100. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Can I hear that again? Is anything too hard for the Lord? You see, uh, we look at things in the natural. We look at things and we say, oh, this, this, and this. It all adds up to a no. But God, when he adds it up, it adds up to a yes because his promises are yes and amen. His promises uh, will always be true for he is not a man that he should lie. Is anything impossible for the Lord? No. At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life. And Sarah shall have a son. You see, God does the impossible in situations of barrenness. Look at your neighbor and just say, barrenness is not good. Nothing shall be impossible with God. It's never too late. What does that mean? That word, nothing shall be impossible with God. No word of God shall be powerless. God will absolutely perform what he has said that he would do. And nothing is too hard for the Lord. And I came this morning to tell some people that you're no longer barren. That the situation that seems impossible. The situation that God spoke to you and said, you will do this, and this is the, my will and my calling upon you, is no longer bad. It's not too late. How many have ever given up on what God had told you before? I'll be honest with you. I, I've come pretty close, but God always has a way of reassuring us. You're no longer barren. That word means dead, not reproducing, not productive, no results or gain devoid or lacking, infertile and unfruitful. You see what the devil meant for evil? God has reversed. God has reversed the curse in our lives and we are no longer barren. Can I get an amen? We are productive uh, citizens in the kingdom of God. We are children of God and he has called us to do great and mighty exploits and we'll simply have the faith to believe. Look at your neighbor and say you're no longer barren. You're fertile. You're fruitful. You're productive. You're flourishing. I know y'all know like this. Look at your neighbor and say you're pregnant. Now before you get too upset, I'm talking in the spirit here. <laughs> you're pregnant with the plans, the designs, the dreams, and the callings 
of God in your life. I'm expecting. Isn't that a word that we use? Now, men don't use that word. Somebody in this congregation had a dream where everybody in the congregation, even the men, were pregnant. What a funny thought. But spiritually, let us conceive what God has done inside of us. Not just conceive it, but let us birth it. Let it come to pass. No longer barren. Fruitful. Productive. Pregnant with expectations. 